Good afternoon, guys, and welcome back to another episode of the Spooky Rip Jean Mom. My name is Peyton Kennedy, and you are tuning in for part three of a three-part episode about Wayne Williams in Georgia. We left off part two with a phone call from um, a judge. Um, George T. Smith had said that all of the judges from the Supreme Court were going to give Wayne Williams a new trial because they felt that there was more wrong with the original trial until they got a phone call. And that is where we left off. So it is believed that either the governor of Georgia or former President Reagan and former president or vice president, also former president, by the time that this was going, he was vice president, George H.W. Bush was on the phone. He wasn't for sure which of the three. If it, President Reagan was on the phone, George H.W. Bush would have been on the phone. Um, so he didn't know if it was the White House or the governor, but he knew someone was interfering with this case. Um, George Judge George T. Smith said he felt he needed to speak up. He said, and I quote, I did what I thought should have been done, and that was it, end quote. He felt Wayne was innocent. The turning point, though, of this case was when there was so much evidence that the prosecution had that was not being shared with the the defense. And it is believed that if all of this evidence had been brought up in trial to the jury, they would have found him not guilty. So we're going to kind of go back to one of the victims. Clifford Jones had been found in a washer and a witness said he observed X person kill a little boy with a rope around his neck. 400 pages of evidence and testimonies to the police and the FBI um, was clear there was a killer and it wasn't Wayne. Clifford Jones' case was a part of the 23 cases closed when when Wayne went to jail. There was a press conference held where someone asked if they could talk about the eyewitnesses. This is when Sidney Dorsey... Atlanta, part of the Atlanta Police Department from 1963 to 1991, realized something was wrong. Now, James Edward Brooks is being brought up. He's 36. He was gay. He was a felon. um, And he was identified as the person killing or dumping wing. Now, it does not matter to me that he was gay. That did not make him a felon. The reason why in the documentary series they pointed out that he was gay was because they felt like the person who was doing all these killings would have an infatuation with little boys and would possibly be gay and not like that about himself. So that is why it's being pointed out here. Uh, So he has been in the past, convicted on rape charges. He has admitted to having sex with young boys. And witnesses say they saw Jimmy sexually attack Clifford um, at the laundromat. Freddie Crosby was a witness and gave graphic details. The details were that, okay, trigger warning. If you can't, if you don't want to, because it is about a little boy, if you don't want to listen to this, just fast forward a little bit. Just, Just go, I'll wait. I'll be here when you're ready. Um, James Brooks and Calvin Smith sexually assaulted Clifford Jones and Freddie Crosby said, and I quote, when the little boy started crying real loud, Jamie put the rope around the little boy's neck and pulled the rope, end quote. He sounded credible, but 
the prosecution and the police that he wasn't because he had a mental condition and that he was being treated for at the Grady Hospital. They said that he had a mind of a five or six year old. He was able to describe everything Clifford was wearing and everything that had happened to Clifford. Police, though, had deemed him, and I quote, slow. Neighbors behind the laundromat saw someone lying an object down out near the dumpster. Then Clifford's body was found there. Witnesses say it didn't look like Wayne, but it did look like James. Officer Sidney Dorsey was going to arrest James, but then the task force said that they had ruled him out as a suspect when Wayne was arrested. And this had always bothered Officer Sidney. And I'm just like, then Officer Sidney, why didn't you look more into it on your own? Like, be quiet about it. Be hush-hush. Look on it into your own. And then when you have enough evidence to say that your colleagues are wrong, because you can't, you know, in this world, you cannot call out police unless you have enough evidence to do so. Call them out. Get your evidence and call them out, Sydney. is what I thought. Until I saw that he ended up getting demoted when he said in an interview that he wanted to see the Clifford Jones case reopened when they were arresting Wayne Williams. So, now, the green fiber was on the two charged cases, plus 10 pattern cases, including Clifford Jones, the cases that were brought up in court. Um, but Clifford Jones wasn't a part of the 10 uh, because it named another suspect. So he wasn't a part of the original 10 that was brought up. He was his own separate case. And the reason why he wasn't a part of the 10 to make it number 11 was because there was another suspect and they thought that with this, it would lead the jury to believe that Wayne Williams did not do it. Now, prosecution alleged that the green fibers could have only ended up on the victims by coming from Wayne. But who can say Clifford only had it on him because he was in the washer? So that called the question of uniqueness of the carpet. Because he was, he was found in a washer. Green fibers get on clothes all the time. So with him being in the washer and the washer catching all those fibers, it could have just been because of that. So, parents of the missing kids now have started to threaten to sue for not producing all the evidence. Well, okay, hold on. Let me rewind. I got ahead of myself. So, I forgot to mention that no one told Clifford Jones's family about James Brooks when Clifford was murdered. It wasn't until years later when it was coming out here, like out in the open with the media when Wayne Williams was convicted, that this actually all happened. So, now parents of the missing kids threatened to sue for not producing all the evidence. They staged a sit-in and waited for government officials. Parents wanted the cases reopened and investigated. And in quotes from one of the parents, if they had enough proof to say he killed my child, I feel like they have enough proof to bring him back to court and try him for killing our children, end quote. And I feel like she is absolutely right. If you feel like you have enough evidence to convict him like you did, What's the problem about bringing him back in? What would the problem be to retry him? Now, they also felt the city of Atlanta didn't do right by their families because none of this was being brought forth. Now, Keisha Lance Bottoms, the mayor in 2019 who's reopening all these cases, said, and I quote, that, she, well, she feels that the African, immuni- African community tucks away pain as a survival method during slavery even, that isn't often talked about. She thinks that exactly what happened 
This is exactly what happened with the missing and murdered children. Some shouldn't have been included with Wayne and some should have been on the list that weren't. Now, Miss Bottoms, Miss Mayor Bottoms, she is 100% the mayor that the kids needed instead of Mayor Jackson. She is from that community. She is African-American and she thinks that there was an injustice and she's not wrong. There is an injustice here. And she's the mayor that people needed back in 1979 to 1981 when all of this shit was going down. And I love that she's reopening the cases now. So you might be wondering, out of all 29 kids, Peyton, only two of them were girls. That doesn't make sense. Well, that's because people feel like the two girls are not a part of, like, aren't a part of the list. They feel like they weren't victims of the Atlanta child killer because they're the only two that don't make sense. Angel and Latonia, they don't make sense to everything with all the boys. So investigators still at that time think that there were two killers. Up until 1985, a lady named Millard um, Millard Glover would have the moms of the victims over every Sunday. One Sunday, a white man threw a brick into Miss Glover's window in the in front of one of the kids. And when Mr. Glover came out, the man jumped in his car, flipped the window off, and drove away. And on the brick, it had a note, and I, in quotations, we will kill all you bleep. Racial slur again. Remember, bleeps mean racial slur. So a few years later, or a few years into Wayne going to jail, his new defense attorney was working on a new appeal when a box of new evidence that would help him was dropped off at his office door. He does think he knows who did it, but he can't say. There were pages and pages of typed and handwritten notes about an undercover operation which took place in early 1981. So the GBI had opened up a whole investigation focusing on the Ku Klux Klan um, and their involvement with the killings. It was kept from prosecuting authorities and the task force. It was never brought to the defense, but it did have police and FBI agents working on it. So it was an over oh an overwhelming violation of the Brady Law, which is the prosecution is required to provide to the defense any and all evidence that tends to exonerate the defendant. The prosecution and the police are able to gather more evidence than the defense, but they always have to disclose it. So this would give Wayne a new a hearing for a new trial. The defense attorneys were Lynn Whiteley, Bobby Lee Cook and William Kunstler, who came all the way from New York. Now, William Kunstler did work in the Chicago 8, now the Chicago 7 trial. He fought the House of Un-American Activities Committee. He represented Dr. King. He represented the Black Panthers. He also represented the anti-war movement and the American Indian movement. This man, and when I, he, he has fought everything. You want this man. You want this man on your side. Bobby Lee Cook was so good that it's believed that Matlock is based on him. So, 
Now we're getting into the new hearing. October 8th, 1991. So it's been 10 years since the murders. And there's not been a single murder since. And we'll get into that on why I think that is and why the investigators now think that is. But the first witness they called was Billy Joe Whitaker. He worked as a police informant during the missing and murdered investigation. And he said he knew that the crimes Wayne was found guilty. He didn't actually do. And the GBI knew it too. The Georgia Bureau of Investigation. He had been able to join the KKK and was a confidential informant to the police. Now, Bob Ingram, a GBI agent from 1973 till 2000, said the first time he heard about the KKK being involved was when Atlanta detective Aubrey Melton told him. Melton came forward to the GBI with the confidential informant, who was Billy Joe Whitaker, um, and said that the like he was going to lead this clan investigation. Now, people described Melton as a good street cop and able to bring up resources. So at first I'm reading this and I'm like, man, Melton really does not give a fuck about what anybody else says. Like he thinks it's the KKK, it's going to be the KKK. Like he's, he's getting this solved. But later at the very end, we're going to realize why I was about to square up with Melton. So during this investigation with, for the KKK, the JBI focused on one specific family. They had six brothers, and they were involved in the National States Rights Party, or the NSRP, which was founded by J.B. Stoner. And it was supposed to be because J.B. Stoner didn't feel like the KKK was radical enough for him. Like, it wasn't radical enough. He needed more, which is disgusting. So the first member was Joseph Paul Franklin, who would shoot any interracial couple he saw. Now, chief op- the chief officers were Donald Willard Sanders. I brought him up the last time. Don Sanders. He's the man that had the scar. So the third ranking officer under J.B. Stoner, he was one of six brothers from the Sanders clan, and he sold and did every drug in the book. So the main suspects became the older Sanders brothers, Don, Jerry, and Charles. And Charles actually like did some press and interviews and stuff back then and it was in the documentary that man's disgusting and he's a vile human being so I can only imagine how these brothers were they were disgusting they had police uniforms they had coca-cola uniforms sanitation uniforms and this let them be places undetected now remember in part one when I was like hmm y'all said that it had to be someone who was African-American so he could get out get in and get out But what about people who dress up as police? What about the Coca-Cola uniforms and the sanitation uniforms? That would just be overlooked because they're doing the work. And these were white men doing the work in neighborhoods. So then victims would be getting, could be getting picked up by Klan members because they're dressed as officers, which isn't a surprise because there were a majority of the officers back then were a part of the KKK. Now the Klan was starting a race war. The towns thought that there would be so much shooting and rioting that authorities wouldn't be able to handle it. Clans were, in quotations, protecting, in quotations, their property. Aubrey Melton knew they were, like, they were bad, so he pursued them by getting GBI to apply for a wiretap warrants, which could only be allowed with probable cause. So he had probable cause to get this. 
now they got the warrant because he had enough probable cause. So while the wiretaps were being put together, they did physical surveillance. And in conversations with Charles Sanders, he said to the informant, Bobby, um, that they were killing black boys and are going to start killing females too, end quote. So Charles Sanders, 1982, had said on the other 27 murders, in quotes, yeah, we damn sure did. We killed a lot of them bleeps. And he said, he said this to Bill. Sorry, I said before that Bobby was the informant. It was Bill. My bad. He, like Bill Whitaker, the informant, said that's what Charles Sanders said. That was in his testimony on the stand. But in an interview, Charles Sanders said it was a lie from Bill Whitaker and a lie from the defense. Bill Whitaker also said Charles admitted to him that he killed Luby Jeter. Now, former Atlanta police chief George Knapper was the next witness, and he said he doesn't remember the officers saying anything about the Klan being involved, which most police said that they don't remember that someone confessed to killing Luby Jeter. That was not Wayne Williams. Charles Sanders, though, had a dog, and his dog was an Alaskan Husky. So the hair matched the original fibers, and he also had green carpets. Conversations had been recorded with Jerry Sanders and Don Sanders, and Terry had said, and I quote, out to get another little kid, and Don said, yeah, scope out some places. We'll see you later. For the murders of Earl Terrell and Luby Jeter, Charles, Jerry, and Don Sanders were brought in. Now, Agent J.B. Jackson interviewed Charles Sanders on April 23rd, 81, and it lasted from 11.10 p.m. until 11 a.m. or 1 a.m. So it went into the April 24th. The topics of conversation was the sale of illegal drugs, automatic weapons, explosives, murdered and mis- the murdered and missing children of Atlanta, and specifically the murder of Luby Jeter. Charles said, and I quote, he felt like a black male who would be gay had to be doing the killings. On the stand, Agent B. Jackson was asked about the record, like the recorded conversation, and if he had talked to Jerry and Don about Louie, and he then, without answering the question, looked up at the judge and asked if he could discuss it with his counsel. The judge repeated the question to him. He said no, now, did you have, you know, a re- did you have a conversation about Louis Jeter to Jerry and Don? And then he asked, like, Agent J.B. Jackson, who can catch these fucking hands, asked the judge again if rather than talking the counsel, he could go back into the judge's chambers and talk to him about it back there. Because, again, there's press here. He doesn't want people to know what happened. And the judge said no. He finally answered and said yes. So the lawyer asked what they had to say about it. And he said they had been joking. Because when that conversation was recorded through the wiretaps, it was on April 1st. Meaning they were joking because it was April Fool's Day. The police had cassette tapes with with conversations with surveillance and an officer by the name Officer Kirby 
was asked where they were at. And he said he didn't know. He said he couldn't remember what was on the tapes. Same with J.B. Jackson. And then come to find out, it was destroyed on July 31st, 1981 by J.B. Jackson. And do you want to know when Wayne Williams was arrested? June 3rd, 81. And again, Agent J.B. Jackson said he couldn't remember listening to all of the tapes, but said he thought Bob Ingram had heard them. He added he could have listened to them all, he just can't remember. There's no record and no transcript had been filed. So now, Charles Sander did a polygraph, which he passed. There was no indication at this point that the Sanders family killed any kids because things are getting changed. The fibers are getting changed. The way that the dog's fur is is being changed. And not only that, but the polygraphs, they're not admissible in court because like I said in part two, you can trick a polygraph test. So lawyers believed the whole reason why Wayne Williams was arrested and not the Sanders brothers and the for having the KKK involvement and for the you know them killing these kids was because it was believed that it was to keep a race war from happening and arresting someone from the clan would cause that and if they arrested in their own words a black man then a race war wouldn't happen and so lawyers believed that the police made a calculated, in quotations, choice. The lawyers that said this were totally against it, I should say, because the way that I just kind of was like, oh, they made a calculated choice was really kind of nonchalant. The lawyers and the people that are talking about the prevention of a race war were just as pissed as I am about this. And it is clear. But they believe the police made a calculated choice. Mayor Jackson had just gotten the airport. Like the... Atlanta was on an economic rise. It was the place to be, so to say. And Mayor Jackson didn't want to lose any of that with the race war. So in the appeal trial, Judge Harold Craig, though, denied Wayne a new trial and upheld the conviction. GBI not having evidence on the Sanders brothers being involved wasn't true because they found Caucasian pubic hairs and other hairs from the head on victims. And the hair from the head were also Caucasian. So going back and looking at GBI files, things about Don Sanders that stuck out were he had a scar on his cheek and a long scar on his neck. Now remember, witnesses say that the original person they saw had a scar on their face. And... Wayne Williams did not have a scar on his face. So, a witness in Christopher Richardson's case described the driver as a white male and they described a scar in the shape of an arrow. But looking at FBI files on it, those were heavily redacted. So they basically had to go through and compare all of these different things that the notes had for GBI and line them up with the FBI. So in one file slash case, a boy said in February of 1981, a man chased him into his house and he locked the door and hid under a bed. The man broke the door down and was trying to find him, but he couldn't because the little boy is under the bed. 
But later that evening, the man came back and was looking through the window at the boy and his mom. The man was described as white, blue eyes, and has a scar on his face and was clean shaven. In March of 1981, like March 1st, that same boy went to the FBI headquarters and was shown five different photographs. He picked one man and said, this is definitely him, but he was clean shaven when he chased me. Don Sanders' name could have been the name redacted from the FBI files because, are you ready for this? When Don Sanders, when that had happened, they had photos. They had timeline photos of him. When he first chased that boy, he was clean shaven. And then when this boy was brought in, the new pictures of him, of Don, was he had a clean cut beard. And he, he fully was that. So now this means that Melton, the one who was doing the lead for the KKK and was like, mm, something's up. And we're kind of like, oh yeah, go Melton. He's been covering this up for 40 years. FBI lab gets called into question because of outdated equipment. And not only that, but the cooling system, they had big metal air vents in the ceilings, okay? And they were so old that anytime the air turned off, because they were made out of fiberglass, all of it would start breaking down, which creates its own fibers, causing it to fall into the evidence that they are um, trying to test, which means that different fibers and different things that were being tested had a mix of fibers in it and were obviously then tampered with, which means the FBI was forced to open thousands of cases. Okay, now we're going to get into some old shady shit. So they had 28 hair examiners over the course of 30 years you know, testifying about hair. And 26 out of those 28 hair examiners had provided misleading testimony. 95% of the time, over a 30-year period of time. So meaning 26 of those test, like hair examiners had provided misleading testimony over a 30-year period of time. For 30 years, provided misleading info. Sorry, I just hit my notes. Um, and this was brought up in April of 2015. Now you might be thinking, okay, so thousands of cases that were open, but what does that have to do with Wayne Williams? Well, one Wayne Williams case was a part of one of those thousands cases that had to be, that was tampered with. So based on victim's type, where the bodies were found and eyewitnesses that saw Wayne with victims made it certain, you know, to Lou Archangeli, he was the pol Atlanta police chief, uh, or he was a part of the Atlanta police force in 1974 to 2002, 100% certain that Wayne killed all 29 missing and murdered children and the adults killed in this case because he said the murder stopped after Wayne was arrested. Now let me take a pause for you on there. Based on eyewitnesses that saw Wayne with victims, those same eyewitnesses redacted all their statements and they said they never saw Wayne with them, ever, that the police told them to say that. So don't sit here. Don't sit here and say that. So now why I think he's also wrong with the murder stopped after Wayne was arrested. It was brought up in the documentary and I also agree with it. When the Sanders brothers were brought in about Luby Jeter's murder, they were told that they were suspects in this whole missing, 29 missing and murdered children. 
Uh, and like they were believed to be involved in it. And so you're telling me that I, they're not, I mean, they're dumb. Don't get me wrong. But you don't think they were like, oh, we got to stop because if he's in jail, he's going to go away for this, especially if it just stops and we're not going to go to jail and we can continue harassing, you know, everybody because they're a part of the KKK. They're not a part of the KKK. They're the NSRP and they are fucking nuts. So I truthfully and at this time as well, James Brooks, which is the suspect for Clifford's Jones case, Tom Terrell, who we talked about in part one, he was the pedophile, and David Wilcoxon, he was also part one, he was the one who was running the child porn houses. They were all arrested and they were in jail at the time that Wayne Williams was arrested and went to jail. But police were, and still are, saying that Wayne was the only viable suspect. And when I say the police are saying, I mean the police from back then. The police now, they don't believe it. They do not believe. So they don't know what to believe. They are reopening the investigation. They want to see what happens. But they are more on the fence that it is the KKK than it was Wayne Williams. So they do not believe he's the only viable suspect, the new police. The old police are still, even in the interviews on the documentary, very adamant that it's Wayne Williams. So Wayne's parents have passed away and they had died without knowing the truth of what everything was about. Now, Mayor Bottoms, she was the mayor from 2019 to 2022 and she doesn't want a new investigation to be a free Wayne Williams campaign until there's sufficient evidence to prove it wasn't him. But she wants this to be about the kids and the unanswered questions that families have. Erica Shields is was the police officer um, or the police chief back in 2019. She might still be, I'm not for sure. But she said, and I quote, I'm hopeful we find some evidence. You know it's a long shot. This is really about being able to look at the families, the moms, the dads, and say we've done everything possible, end quote. So the police are now methodically pulling cases. They're trying to figure out what they have the most evidence on. Um, They're going through very, not very slowly, but very carefully into the old evidence and looking at the cases in chronological order um, just to get all that new evidence out, see what they can find, run new tests because we now have more capabilities than we did last time, well, back then. So um, in December of 2019, Wayne filed an appeal for parole uh, or an appeal so he could get onto parole and it was denied. His next um, opportunity isn't until 2027 and he still to this day maintains his innocence. In 2020, it had been 40 years since the very first crime. So... I want to know what you guys think because I personally believe that Wayne Williams was not involved in any of this. I know I wasn't there. I'm putting my notes away. Um, I know I wasn't there. Um, but I fully 110% believe that it was the Sanders brothers. There's three of them. They are, when you look at them, they're like kind of like taller, like musk, not like super muscle, mus, muscle, muscly. Uh, they're like farm muscly, you know, when you like shack hay all day long. 
So I truthfully think that they were involved. I think they killed people I because they just, I it's because they were part of the KKK. They are just racist bigots that killed these poor children and adults just because they hated them. And then I think because the police and the FBI were so under so much pressure that their scapegoat was Wayne Williams and they are riding they're riding that till the wheels fall off. And I think when I know more, because there aren't really any updates, there's nothing currently about what's been going on. Um, so as soon as there's more updates on this case, I will totally update you guys. But I would like to know what you think. Do you think Wayne Williams did it? Like I said, I wasn't there. Wayne Williams could have been involved in one or two murders. Maybe 10. We don't know. I'm just saying I don't think he was responsible for all of them. And truthfully, I mean, I wasn't there. I truthfully don't think he was involved in any of them. Because with eyewitness testimonies that re redacted their statements of, no, it wasn't actually Wayne. I was told to say that by police. That's got me thinking, hmm, okay, okay, so it wasn't him. I truthfully don't think he had any part of it. He could have, but I don't think he did. So I'd like to know what you guys think. Do you think he was involved? Do you think it was someone other than the KKK? Or do you definitely think it was the KKK? Now, for Christopher's murder, I definitely think James Brock did it. James Brock did it. I think that was I totally think he did it. He was seen. There were eyewitness accounts. They never redacted their statements. He was, he's been in jail for rape before. He admitted to having sex with young boys. I do think that he was involved in that murder. The rest of them, KKK. Yep. So, ha Next episode is over Hawaii. Um, and that is Dr. Harold Shipman. Don't look him up yet. Because this episode will come out a few days after this one. So, that's the one to look forward to. And other than that, that's it. So, I hope you guys have a wonderful rest of your day. Good week. Get some sleep. Remember to drink your water. Take your vitamins. It's almost hot girl summer. I love you all. Bye.